Hello, everybody. Welcome back to your Heart in the Paint podcast, the only NBA podcast where we ask a lot of questions about the NBA. I'm your host, Matt, and again, joined by Michael on this wonderful Monday before Thanksgiving, the 25th, of course. And, uh, yeah, the league itself, pretty drama-free since the last time we spoke to you beautiful people. Uh, really only a couple real newsworthy topics, but that gives us time to digest what's been going on. We've had some really good games, honestly, on TV, and, uh, a lot, of, a lot of interesting individual performances, which one we'll look at, like, a historical context, and, uh, yeah. So, let's just hop right into it, unsullied by sponsorships, because, uh, People don't like us anymore for whatever reason. I'm going to hit it off with probably my favorite piece of news from the past week. And that is maybe not so much for the success department, but for this individual player is the best thing that could have happened to him. His name is Carmelo Anthony and he's a trailblazer. Who would have thought? Holy crap. Like, I know this is a question we were asking part of last season or earlier in the off season and and even the first couple of weeks of this season, he finally inked a deal, getting the minimum from the Blazers who are in a drastic tailspin after just injury after injury, especially Dame now is sending out some games. So, Michael, what are, what are your thoughts on Carmelo right now? It's nice that he's back in the league. But I don't know if that's the power forward the Blazers were looking for. I think they were looking for somebody more in the Kevin Love mold. But obviously that would require something in return. Whereas basically Carmelo Anthony, they're basically just getting for free. <laughs> I mean, he, they don't even have a real contract with him. He just has like a, if he makes it to, um, what is it, to the All-Star break, then he gets a contract. Yeah, that's how it's it works. Like, it's like weird back pay. So basically they're getting... Carmelo free. So, I mean, if Carmelo can give um 15 to 18 points and like seven rebounds a night, that'll probably help. Downside, he's going to bring probably nothing on defense. Uh, it's going to take him a while to get conditioning in, but that team is desperate anyway. So, uh, you know, beggars can't be choosers. Yeah. I mean, at this point, they're just looking for somebody to put some points on the board because I mean with Dame going out that's like one third of your team's points in a game at least and of course Mel has only played I think two games so far I think he got like 15 points and then 18 points so it's not like too bad I mean his efficiency wasn't yeah he's never been like the most efficient guy but I mean his threes look like they're there I mean unlike you said the defense is obviously the biggest question mark and uh you know their last two games have gone way over 120 points. So yeah, not looking too there, great. Man. Yeah, and the pick and roll doesn't look very good on him either. But, you know, he gives them another look because, honestly, this Blazers team right now is basically like C.J. McCollum trying to be Bradley Beal and then a whole <laughs> bunch of whoever's. Like, maybe some Rodney Hood action in there. Uh, Did you see uh, Melo try to dunk on Jackson Hayes? Yeah, I did see that. And then it just—it was such a failed attempt. <laughs> I was like ambitious, dude. He's been back in the league for five minutes. <laughs> he did. He tried to do that in the Bucks game too, and he got stuffed by Giannis. 
Yeah. I was like, geez, Louise, he just looks like a kid compared to Giannis, dude, out there. And they're they're matched up against each other. Like, it, was just, it was just funny. It was just, he's really good for it. Like, he legit thinks it, like, it's still, like, 2013 or something, and he's on the Knicks. But uh, but in all respects, though, like, it, you know, if he was going to get better than I thought. Up, yeah, I mean, he, look, he does look better than I remember, you know. So it looks like he did drop some pounds. So that helps a little bit, too. He definitely looks like he understands offense a lot better than Ben Simmons right now, it, which is a huge plus. Yeah, he, he definitely, uh, I think of all the places he could have ended up, you know, this one's got not the biggest spotlight. You know, it's it's kind of okay. If he, had gone the, yeah, if he had gone to the Lakers or or, or the Clippers or, um, I mean, even if he had gone to like a Houston again, I think all those places, it just would have been too much for him. But um, also, I don't know what the expectations are for the Blazers anymore. I mean, it seems like the injuries have basically derailed their season. I mean, making the playoffs is probably about it. Yeah, well, okay. So, in, in due respects, you know, the season's pretty early. You know, the expectations, I mean, everybody knew coming in they were going to be a little bit worse than last year. But obviously, nobody came in thinking everybody was going to blow out all their knees at the same time, and Hassan Whiteside was going to be kind of useless. So, yeah, and uh, you know, to the mellow point, you know, you think uh, currently the Blazers sit 14th in the West at yeah. five and 12. Yeah, they're bottom of the barrel. Uh, I mean, this is—it's going to be a steep climb. Like they'd have to have some baller games to climb back into this. It's it's early. Like let, let's be honest though. Like they're, they're that post All Star break, they can make a push when everybody's back and healthy and everybody's clicking again. You know they could sneak an eighth seed and then you know I mean they're definitely a force to be feared, right? Because I mean they've been in the you know postseason for know. the past couple of years. I don't know. You you kind of brought up the the comps with Washington and and you know we've done this actually like I think when we first started the this podcast actually I think we had a Portland and washington kind of uh you know crossroads where it's like one team was kind of heading the right direction that was portland at the time one team was kind of heading the opposite direction washington um and if they end up kind of just kind of going like how washington goes i mean sure washington's a lot more fun this year where they just kind of let bradley beal kind of have his westbrook gear um so i don't know maybe it's the same for cj mccollum but i mean it's not like the wizards are good and i don't think anybody would Say the same thing about the Blazers. Yeah. So overall, that's probably my favorite uh, newsworthy subject from the past week or so. Dude, you're missing the big one. Yeah, Kemba Walker injury. I, I was no, kind of a Ben big Simmons one. hit a three. Oh, a corner three. I actually didn't see this. What, Matt? What the fuck, man? Come on. I've been not watching Philly games because it's been kind of hard to watch them this year. I, I understand on offense they are <laughs> a work in progress. Yes. But Ben Simmons hit a goddamn three. Granted, he was wide open because nobody is guarding Ben Simmons at the three line. But Swish City has arrived in Philly. Yeah. He can't miss. He literally just can't miss. So what, how much like of a Philly erection would there be if like – they play the Raptors in the playoffs, and Ben Simmons hits that Kawhi corner three from last year. All right, to put it in perspective, Philly is playing Toronto tonight. <laughs> wow, what a coincidence. <laughs> I'm just saying, Ben Simmons 
for the season, shooting 100% from three. Yeah, that's, that's a good call. You, you, know what, you know what else? This Matisse Thibault guy is, like, sneaky good. I fucking told you, dude. Like, him and Richardson and Ben Simmons and Embiid, like, that's a really good defense. Richardson had, like, 30 like, points against the Heat the other night. Yeah, their defense is going to be better. Because they don't have fucking Redick on the floor, you know, acting as a turnstile. And uh, they got size. I mean, just there, you Ben Simmons, another year under his belt. And then you throw in Richardson. This is why I thought, like, Philly would be better defensively. I mean, like, this is why I thought they would be better in general. Like, they're giving up some offense with, like, Redick and uh, Jimmy Butler and stuff. But I think, like, defensively, they needed to get a lot better, and they did. I, I will say, though, like, Tobias Harris like on offense feels like 16 mellow. Like it just doesn't feel good. Still feels like they overpaid a shit ton for that guy. Whereas I think they would have been better off. I don't know. Going after like Brogdon or something, you know, like a, like a guard who can just kind of keep, you know, who could work with the reserve team and be a ball handler. I think even a guy like, you know... uh... I think they should have spent the money on a bench rather than Tobias Harris, is is, I guess the way I'm putting it. Yeah, I'd say the stats would back you up there, and the eye test would back you up there, too. It just doesn't doesn't feel right. I mean, imagine swapping out Tobias Harris but keeping Robert Covington and Darius Saric on that team. Yeah. Wow. Covington Thibel on the on the floor at the same time with Ben Simmons, like dude, fucking might be the best perimeter defense outside of LA. Yeah, honestly. Uh, so speaking of uh, games tonight, gonna I'm totally jumping around our list here. Uh, so uh, everybody's been having a collective nut over Luca, like we have said the past three episodes, but people have really hit it home this week with. Uh, he had like three triple doubles, you know, the fastest guy to yeah, LeBron. the Warriors in the first quarter yeah. in every category. So, and, and he just makes it look so easy out there. Uh, and so everyone's uh, got him on this uh, almost MVP level talk after they destroyed the Rockets yesterday or the day before. Uh, so now they've got the LA teams coming up. Yes. Yes. So this is the trying period for Dallas in terms of the eye test. And we already saw them play the Lakers once. Uh, and it was honestly a really good game. Like, I mean, that was overtime, you know, a couple of stupid mistakes at the end as well lost it for him. And Luca's looked better since then. Uh, the rest of the teams looked better since then, except for Porzingis. You know, he's. And you got to give him credit. I mean, he hasn't played in like 20 months. So he's got. I still think he looks better. I actually do think he looks better than you know those first kind of weeks. Yeah, uh, yeah, since the beginning, but not not from the New York days. I mean, he, he, yeah, he's not that level yet. Oh, but that's just because he's he's not running up and down the floor. Like what made Porzingis nice for New York was that he was at, he was a rim protector as well. Like he wasn't just like a seven foot two guy, seven foot three guy on offense. Who was just kind of like, you know, like Dirk, where he's kind of this power forward but in like a supersized center's body shooting like threes and stuff but he was also like a presence on defense which he hasn't quite been yet i would say they're he is kind of there because they do a lot of switching and they put porzingis on guards which is uh, not great but i mean what else is he supposed to do 
Yeah, and that's where I, I probably fall in line with that is it seems like they're trying to play him like Dirk sets still, and he's not Dirk. So they're they're figuring out though they're 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 going away from that. They're running more Lucas screens. I mean that Delon Wright guy looks like a fucking steal sometimes. Dwight Powell looks pretty fucking good next to like at, you know playing like the proper five. Yeah, and uh, you know even like Maxi gives you some good minutes. You know Seth gives you some good minutes. You and know. I really like their inside outside with like you know like KP and. Um... I guess Embiid a little bit, and like Durant, like all these guys were like seven footers that basically started moving away from uh, the post and out towards like um, you know the mid range, and then even further back to the three. And so that basically, you know, it made it exciting because like you have like guys like Carl Anthony Towns hitting like six threes in a game, but then at the same time, it basically opened up for guys like Westbrook to like basically get ten rebounds. Rebound. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's like Lucas kind of doing the same thing. Yeah, he is. Like, I was going to say that. He's like, he sneaky gets like seven or eight rebounds, which is quite a lot for a dude who plays point guard. Uh, okay, well, in his defense, you know, you got Maxi and KP out on the three-point line. There's a lot saying. of these like unathletic layups where he just gets the second jump first because he doesn't jump as high. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. But he's got like, it's it's almost like that's like the next trend is going to be uh guards getting more rebounds because obviously it's a good way of like initiating offense right that's like the whole like um justification for westbrook but even more so it's when he plays defense like the mavs basically they know that luca's probably like one of their like weaker defenders so they basically put him out on the dude who's just going to stand like in the three like at the corner three spot uh but then that basically means that the guy he's guarding is just gonna be like a two guard so when if the ball clangs off the rim, that's like a free rebound that like Luca can crash the boards, because the dude he's guarding is not going to go crash the boards. So it's kind of weird. It's almost like Luca has has is, is like stumbling onto a new rebounding trend. Is what I'm trying to say. And in general, I don't think the Mavs really crash the boards with bigs very well either. Seems like it's right, but is that because like they're always like out by the three point line on offense and also like defense? They do a lot of switching. I think it is. I think it's part of that. I think part of it too is like we're thinking this ain't the fastest guy, you know. Dwight Powell's athletic, but not the you know, he's not like a Draymond that's gonna go coast no, to coast more, on chase yeah, downs. He's more, he's more like a Larry Nance Jr. Like they need those extra play. thirty feet to catch up to uh whoever grabs that board and sprints with it. Uh and I would say so I guess this brings us to the talking point of the week of you know, Luca for what award right now? I mean, we're we talking all NBA MVP, most improved. I mean, top fifteen player. Where are we with him now? All right, most improved. He's definitely got to be one or two with Siakam. In terms of All Star like fan voting, he's gonna be number two. He's gonna be right behind LeBron. Not a doubt in my mind. Right behind he's, LeBron, he's, number yeah, two. He's gonna, he's gonna be a fucking team captain or whatever. Oof. I think he's going to be a team captain. That's I think he's guy. that popular too. I mean, he did make it or almost make it last year, I guess. And they were trash. <laughs> so the fact that he's breaking all these LeBron records and their team's winning. All right. Know. Currently he's putting up 30 and a half, 10 rebounds and just a shade under tennises. Yep. <laughs> if he averages a triple double, he could win MVP, right? 
right, if Luca was, if he were to injure himself, and he never plays another game, does he make the Hall of Fame? <laughs> Dude, honestly, the best player under twenty ever. He's sitting at eighty-eight games. Let's say he plays the next two against uh, both LA teams, wins both of those, so he's at an even ninety, and then just never plays again. Luca Hall of Fame. Yeah, yeah, let's put him in there. Let's do it. <laughs> Dude, this kid's so fucking good. Like, and the, here's the crazy part to me is like, he's so fucking good and he's so young that if he just doesn't improve at all for his next 10 years in the league, like the dude's going to be on every points, rebounds and assists like record, assuming like he doesn't magically break both his knees or something like, yeah, he's definitely the best, like dude who is this young since like Kevin Durant. Cause when Kevin Durant came to the league, I was like, Holy shit, this guy, I mean, I knew it like watching like him in Texas, but like, even so it was like, Oh, okay. Like if this guy is like as good as he is at like 18, 19, 20, like this team is going to win a, like a title. I mean, obviously they didn't, but yeah, that's not his fault. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, all the stats are best since LeBron, fastest to do it since LeBron. I mean, and he he shoots better threes than LeBron. I mean, he's obviously not the physical beast or the defensive mind, but still, I think we can put him on top ten players in the league. For this I year, know. I'd have to like actually like write it down to like see where where people. It get. seems close though. Like it's maybe, a, maybe we'll do this after the uh, after the two LA games to see where it stands. Yeah, it, that's where people are going though with this. That's just fucking wild to me. That just I mean we knew he was good, but like this is a whole another step. Yeah, I mean last year he was you know when he won rookie of the year it was like very clear that this guy was gonna be like an all star you know, potentially winning a title slash MVP, you know, like some of the highest accolades you can win in the NBA. But this season, it's like, no sophomore shit. maybe, maybe yeah. he might win two like MVPs. He might win multiple titles. Yeah. He could eclipse Dirk as being the most popular guy in Dallas. I mean, all of that is on the table. Pretty much. So speaking of on the table, uh, Kemba Walker was carried away on the table. <laughs> <laughs> that was a really rough segue. Uh, I'm sorry. So, uh, of course, it was, it was in Boston the other day. He had a sort of weird going for a rebound collision with one of his teammates, and he kind of yeah, almost Ojale. ended up like tackling Ojale, kind of like a footballer, but it just kind of propped his neck a weird way, and you know he collapses on the ground everyone's like what the fuck's going on is he dead you know can he breathe is he having a stroke what's happening and they you know they hoist in the uh, concussion team they strap him up to the cart they wheel him out on the table uh and so far nothing has turned up bad for him on the exams and things but he has gone through the concussion phases he said he was having some trouble with it so I mean, the the hit didn't look particularly hard, you know, on the replay or anything. I'm a little surprised, but, you know, the neck is a fragile beast. And uh, so he'll probably be out for, you know, a couple weeks. Yeah, I mean, I originally saw the uh, the injury happen on like a, you know, like a halftime clip or like a sports center clip or something. And I didn't think it was going to be that bad. But then, 
you know, then they kind of cut to like the next uh, clip of him being like put on the stretcher, and they're like, "Oh shit!" Like this is actually like, I thought maybe he would, he just kind of banged like his head a little bit or something, you know, on uh, Ojale's knee. But then you get stretched out, and you're like, "Holy shit!" Because like, you know, Kemba finally is like on a you know on a good team, you know, right? a team that can. Boston's on a hot streak, too. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, Hayward goes down, and now it's like him. And it's like, oh, man, we're kind of back to what we were in like 2018, where it's like Kyrie's gone. And then it's like Tatum and Jalen Brown are just got to leave this team. And I mean, that's great and all, but it's like Hayward just came back from like one of the weirdest uh, like foot injuries ever. And then Kemba gets this kind of weird head injury i mean these aren't you know these are like very freakish types of plays it's not like somebody that um you know like tears their acl or or you know even like like steph curry right like his hand it was like that seems like a very normal kind of thing uh to happen where you just kind of bang your hand into somebody but these are like two very freakish plays to happen to the celtics in a relatively short span yeah it's not not great but Luckily, it's not like a broken leg or anything season-ending. You know, they'll be back. And I guess in the meantime, the plus side is you know, that Tatum-Brown duo, I think of all duos with more than 20 minutes, is the best plus-minus duo in the league, which is not a stat I thought they would get together. Yeah, I mean, you know, it'll be interesting to see how like they kind of play out, I guess, to, for the rest of the year, just in terms of... You know, they've had a very uh, egalitarian type of offense where it's like Kemba gets his and like Jason Tatum gets his and, you know, when Hayward was playing, he gets his. And um, the shots were relatively like distributed after the whole Kyrie year. But obviously now it's it's who's going to get their shots. And the downside is like if Marcus Smart goes from like 11 shots a game to like 19 shots a game, I mean, you might start losing some games. Yeah. Very true. Plus, just the the gravity and the distributing ability that you're losing there, very big deal. Uh, speaking of gravity, we finally got to see Paul George play on the court with Kawhi Leonard. Uh, the, the best, in theory, defensive wing duo in the league. Yeah, I mean, I I mean, I think defensively, I think they are. I don't even think like who comes close. I think offensively they're still kind of figuring each other out yes uh but i i would say defensively they are synced in i mean god what game was it was it was either the boston game or the houston game uh but paul george was guarding who's he guarding he's guarding somebody and then they ended up doing a switch and it was like oh shit the guy that like they switched on to was Kawhi. it's like <laughs> how does that help you <laughs> switching on offense it's like you switched off paul george and you got Kawhi. <laughs> like get fucked yeah i think that's worse doesn't it i mean <laughs> yeah i mean without a doubt but it's just like it's like or if you go the other way it's like okay Kawhi is guarding you and then you try to switch and then it's like oh shit now you're stuck with paul george like <laughs> You know, Paul George, who's, like, probably not as good as, you know, defensively as Kawhi, but he's definitely longer. Like, he's definitely, um, you know, more, like, uh, more length, more lanky. And it's just like, oh, that's, it's like, okay, we went from, like, the best defender in the NBA to, like, the fourth best defender in the NBA. <laughs> yeah, there was a really cool picture in that uh, Houston Clippers game of uh, 
I think it was like Harden shooting one of those last threes and like both Paul oh, and, and Kawhi yeah. and like Beverly like were all in the guys. shot. Yeah. yeah. Swamped him. Yeah. yeah. That was a game right there. It kind of it kind of makes you wonder like uh you know a lot of teams where they have these uh you know multiple guys they just like stagger the offense, right? Like we saw this with Houston uh with Westbrook and like Harden and then like obviously during like the CP3 like Harden like uh, a couple of years. Um you see it a little bit with like the Lakers with like AD and like LeBron. Uh and also like when LeBron was in uh Cleveland with Kyrie and stuff where it's like you basically have two guys that can run the offense, so basically you spread them out, so that way you're basically covering your 48 minutes. But I'm kind of wondering if the Clippers will stagger their defense. It's like, do you really need to have both Kawhi and Paul George like at the same time until the playoffs? I don't know. Yeah. You know what I mean? Point. Like instead yeah. of trying to stagger their offense to get each guy going, it's like actually you should probably try staggering the defense. So no, then it's I like, like you have a defensive presence for like 48 minutes. Yeah, that's pretty smart. I like But it. also, like, their closing five is, is pretty solid with, like, Vu Williams, uh, Patrick Beverly as, like, your backcourt, PG, Kawhi, and Harrell as your frontcourt. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I thought it was a little crazy they lost that Houston game. Like, it felt like that was the game they were supposed to win and they lost. No, but then... they, did, they did beat Houston. Oh, wait. Yeah, they did. What Kawhi am I hit thinking? the game winner. Oh, I'm thinking of, uh, sorry, the Houston-Dallas uh, game. I had uh, the scores yeah, flip-flop, yeah. sorry. Uh, still, like, this has to be, are they better than the Lakers now? Can we can we make this conversation I going, happen? I think going into the season, everybody thought they were going to be better than the Lakers, just on a pure roster point of view. Because they actually have a bench, whereas like the Lakers basically don't have a bench. But the Lakers don't seem to be affected by not having a bench. Well, that's because they have like two of the best players, right? I mean, they don't even have a point guard. I know. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, also like the Lakers' strength of schedule has been easier than the Clippers. I, I will give them that. Mm, good point. But it is still quite weird, where the Clippers haven't quite found their mojo yet like i mean you know they're still like i think right now they're like third or fourth in the west so it's not like a, a time to worry or anything but they do kind of still look off in terms of like playing with each other like paul george and Kawhi don't really know how to play with each other on offense and then you have kind of the williams montrez harrell like pick and roll but then you also have like oh well Kawhi and paul george can also iso at any point in the time right it's, it's very like similar to kind of like the the Warriors when they had KD. It's like at any time you can always bail yourself out by just giving the ball to KD. But it's like they try to force themselves into like an offensive system where everybody kind of touches the ball. Mm, yeah. And that's a little bit of what they have with the Clippers. Um so it's it's you know, I think like defensively I think they're pretty well set, even though they have Lou Williams. It's like I think they have enough coverage from just everybody else on the floor. Uh but offensively I don't really know what they're trying to do yet because um, they have Kawhi. They could just be bailed out at any time. I mean, last year proved that, right? Kawhi is like, you know, basically the proto-Kobe in terms of like ISO scoring into games. Yeah, I'm I'm just concerned about, uh, I mean, maybe Kawhi is so good that it doesn't matter anymore, but 
you know, when you look at like how the Lakers close out games, it feels like very focused. It's like, all right, we're gonna do LeBron and AD on the strong side, everybody else on the weak side. You know, it's gonna be an AD post up, LeBron ISO, some pick and roll, but it's always those two guys, and Danny Green's gonna be open in the corner every time. Or it feels yeah, very it's much more like, consistent. It's much more like a Houston setup. It's much more like a Houston setup where it's like everybody kind of knows where the ball's gonna go. <laughs> Whereas, whereas the Clippers one, it feels like you kind of have these three different directions, like you're saying. It's like you got the Kawhi ISO, the Paul George ISO, or like the Lou Williams pick and roll, or maybe a Kawhi pick and roll. But it's like, it doesn't feel like, uh, like what I guess what I'm trying to say is, is like those extra supporting pieces, at least on like the weak side, just feel a little bit more uh, puzzle piece like, I guess, for the Lakers team. Where it's like they aren't really getting in each other's way or like overlapping too much. I don't, I don't know. Maybe I'm making a really shitty argument, but it's more like, you know, you got LeBron and AD. Like those are your do anything, everything kind of scores. And then you got, you know, Danny Green for your three pointers in the corner, you know, Dwight or somebody else to crash the boards or, uh, you know, JaVale or whoever it might be. And then you've yeah, got I mean, like you're... your second guard to also shoot threes, like Avery Bradley or whoever. Yeah, I mean, you're basically describing exactly kind of the the upside and the downside of what the Clippers in Boston kind of do, where they have a lot of switching wings, right? Boston, you have Tatum, Brown, Hayward, and then the Clippers, you basically have Paul George and Kawhi, and to some extent, like, Shamit and stuff, right? Where you basically have these, like, kind of, like, free, free-playing, you know, flying kind of wings, and, you know, that's great because you have a lot of overlapping skill set, but then it's like, well, that's great. But you also have a lot of overlapping skill sets. Yeah, that's what offense. I'm trying to say. Um, whereas, like Houston and the Lakers, it's like everybody is very specialized, or at least has a very defined role. It's actually kind of what made the Warriors like really good. Because like Steph is clearly a point guard, Clay is clearly your two guard. You know, Kevin Durant's clearly the three. Draymond's clearly like the four pseudo five. Like four out of your five roster spots are basically set, and then it's just like, do you swap in like Iggy? or Livingston, right? You know, you got your six guys. And the Clippers, it's like, they know who their best five guys are. Uh, but then it's like, where do you know, Harold's definitely going to be your five, and Beverly's probably going to be your one just because of, like, sizing. But then it's like, okay, Lou Williams probably your two, and then it's like, do you go PG4, PG3, Kawhi 3, Kawhi 4? It's like, what do you do when Anthony Davis comes and plays, right? Do you put... Montrez Harrell on Anthony Davis, or do you put Kawhi on Anthony Davis, or do you put Paul George on Anthony Davis? And I guess by the fact that they have a lot of overlapping ability, it also is like, okay, well, who's actually going to do what? Yeah, and and just like even you know, I mean, you're saying it from more of a defensive standpoint, but I guess my my offensive point of view is just like they aren't. I guess we haven't seen them enough to really make the verdict on how much they. Uh, could get in each other's way, I guess, or like kind of have some Tatum Brown Hayward kind of drama yeah. going on, but we'll, we'll see. It develops. Yeah, I, mean, I, I guess you on offense, you would hope that the pecking order would be Kawhi, then Paul George, then Lou Williams, and and then after that, it's like okay, well, if you're if you can't have those three guys, what are you really doing on offense? Um, but it's like last couple games, right? We've seen like. Paul George hit a corner three, then like Lou Williams hit a corner three, and then Kawhi hit like a mid-range jumper. So it's like they're still basically 
kind of dishing it to each other. Um, but I do kind of wonder when it's like a very close game, where does that ball kind of go? Yeah, that's my main concern. Speaking of uh, dishing it to each other, uh, the Warriors are serving up a big old platter of tank this year. <laughs> uh, there's a question mark this week of if they had enough players to even play the game. Yeah. <laughs> So, it's not the first time that's happened to the Warriors, though, in the last uh, 10, 12 years. Yeah, it's, it's funny it'd be the same team. So, uh, honestly, I'm kind of okay with this. I think we talked... I think I mentioned this last time, just, like, blow it up or tank right away. So... so here's a question. Can the Warriors go 9-73? and 73? Nah, they'll win more than 9 games. Sorry. It, it's easy to win more than 9 games. You got the Knicks... <laughs> In the in the game, those are two right there. You got the Hornets; those are another two. Uh, the Wizards, okay, that's one. Uh, maybe the Kings, okay. That's like seven right there. You squeak out a free one in the end of April against someone else, and you're good. I'll put it to you this way: they've won a total of three games, and we're give or take about twenty percent of the way through the season. So right now they'd be on track for 15 games. You tell me they they can't fuck this up and I'm taking the 15. Games. I'm gonna take the I'm gonna take over nine. I'll I'll take that bet. I don't think they'll go. I I think like I think 15 sounds good. I, don't, I think nine is just too low. Uh, other fuck ups uh, in the NBA recently, or I guess this one actually it's outside of the NBA, but uh. Anna Kendrick, I guess, got a pair of Jordans and she creased the fronts and basically set, like, sneaker Twitter on fire. Which is, like, fucking hilarious because I don't think she understands sneaker culture at all. She's, like, the (laughs) whitest white girl. Like, oh my god. I don't even like her at all. Like, she could just be deleted from the world and I would not care. Uh, But it's funny because it's, like, it's not even, like, a, like, a like a huge pair of Jordans like it's just like the you know I mean like relatively like it's yeah they're know. not special <laughs> yeah but it's just it's just so funny to me that it's like as a celebrity there's already like people like targeting you for like the most like random shit and now it's like for this you know what I mean it's not like like it's not like she said anything racist or did anything like sexist or like anything else that like we basically cancel people for but it was the fact that like she pissed off like sneakerheads. <laughs> Yeah, not <laughs> not a good culture to piss off on Twitter. I'll tell you that. I love it. Uh, LeBron James made more history by being the first person to have a triple double against every team in the league. Yeah, I mean, what's the over under on Luca beating that before age thirty six? Ooh, that's a good one. Or Westbrook, honestly. I mean, Westbrook is probably probably super near. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if Westbrook is like done two-thirds of the of this you have to hit one against okc is the problem right so you have to trade teams in the middle of somewhere well i mean he's got bad so i mean at some point he'll play okc yeah i think Uh, i think luca can do it i don't think that record will last what's the market value for blake griffin i feel like he's been very uh forgotten this season and we just saw mellow basically take a power forward spot in portland which what if it like a Kevin Love or a Blake Griffin? Uh, but you think you think anything will move with Blake Griffin? Do you think he'll be somewhere else? He's basically been anonymous this entire season. 
which yeah. is super weird because he was definitely a top 15 player last year. I I think he's got I think uh there's something's going to happen with that Detroit team. Yeah, there was a rumor going around that the Hornets were looking into Andre Drummond trades, which sounds yeah. fucking stupid. But if that rumor is going around, that means other teams are looking into Detroit for people. Uh, Luke yeah, Kennard is actually Detroit tradable this year. Like D yeah, Rose is that, playable. Yeah, because I I thought that Detroit was gonna be a lot better. Yeah, clearly I was very wrong about this. Like we should have made a bet on whether or not the Pistons would uh would last. be better or would Ben Simmons hit a three. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Uh... I just don't. I'm. I am like so. I'm like ten degrees below lukewarm on this team. Like I just. If you deleted the Pistons from like, the NBA magically, just snapped your fingers, I think I'd be okay with it. <laughs> Sorry, Detroit fans. <laughs> like I just do not care. Uh, like yes. Ugh. Like the Kings of the East. Like what's going on here, folks? How do they regress so quickly? Yeah, maybe they just overachieved last year and they set of the Kings and now they're regressing back to the norm and everyone else got better, so they looks really bad. Um, MVP, early season MVP. Who do you have? Well, clearly it's Luka, obviously. You think so? I have Giannis. I, I've hardly watched any Giannis games this year. Dude, he he actually, I think he's actually better. <laughs> I did, think how he's did he actually get better? Score, he's doing he's doing more on he's doing more on offense. Uh, and so okay, let me let me open up a basketball reference real quick, just so, just so we have some numbers. All right, so last year his 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 uh, stats in the regular season were twenty seven point seven points a game, twelve and a half rebounds, and basically six assists. Uh, and you know, three ball, you know, hit or miss. He was basically at like 26%. Obviously he got better throughout the season, but whatever. Uh, this year he's averaging 29.9 points a game. So he's going up by two whole points a game uh, and going from 12 and a half rebounds to 14 and from six assists to six and a half. Okay. He's going up in every stat category, basically. Free throws, he's going up from nine and a half to over 11. This dude's getting better. <laughs> you say that like you're worried. <laughs> like, how... He was so fucking good last year. Like, I just... I don't know how he could get better. Because, alright, they're already... They're top of the East, right? They edged... They are now edged over Boston after the Kemba Gordon Hayward injuries. So they're in driving seat in the East. Their main player got better. <laughs> I just... I don't know. Like, this is legit, you know, kind of watching, um, I don't know, like Durant after like 2014 or, you know, it's like he wins the MVP in 2014 and he actually just keeps getting better. Is, are they on track for like 66 wins or something? Like, is it? Let's uh, see, 13, 60, maybe on track for about 64, 65 wins. Okay. Well, that would be four more wins than last year, right? Something like that. Two more. I can't remember. Anyways, uh, I think the problem, though, is we all know that the MVP is a narrative-driven story. 
no matter what the stats tell you, if it's the first player <laughs> to average a triple-double in a season since Oscar Robertson, it's going to be him. Uh, so I got to say, one of the narratives going around is obviously the the Lee return of LeBron James. I have him third on my list for early season MVP. I have Giannis one, Luka two, LeBron three. I don't think that. LeBron will win it because I think what's going to come down to is like it does every year and why it kind of the Warriors didn't win it last year is there's two he's got another freaking all-star superstar on his team like it, you know it's not the solo act that Giannis yeah, but he's playing point guard LeBron already played point guard though no but th- there's a difference between being the offensive playmaker and legit actually just playing point guard <laughs> all right, all right. My, my point standing though like Giannis and Luca doing it without. Yeah, okay, maybe you can say Porzingis all right. is an all star. Who is Giannis's help on on the Bucks? It's Chris Middleton. Yeah, right? it's Chris Middleton. Chris Middleton is injured right now. Exactly. Who's the second best player on the Bucks right now? Bledsoe, one of the Lopez brothers, Pat George Connaughton? Hill, obviously. Same thing for Luca. Yeah, Luca, I have penciled in at number two. His second best player is Kristaps Porzingis. Clearly better than probably any, anybody on the Bucks team. Yeah, but, but, like, but he was an all-star Anthony last Davis. year. You know, Middleton was at least an all-star last year. In the East. I mean, we always have to preface it with it's in the East. I mean, Porzingis was an all-star in the East. All right, fair point. <laughs> <laughs> so so I, th- I think the, the Luka narrative is a little more underdoggy. It's a little easier to get behind. Whereas the Giannis one's kind of like the default reigning, you know, MVP kind of narrative where he's gotten better. Uh, but I think we can't discount Harden in the middle of this because he's almost averaging 40 points a game. I have him fourth. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, I have him fourth. He's scoring more points. Like, do you have B-Ball reference up? Uh, Yeah, I'm popping it open right can, now. Can Harden. you pop open his thing and tell me, like, his points per game for, like, the last four years? All right, right now, years? he is at third. All right, so the last... Okay, so let's go from... The trade from the Harden trade, okay? Yeah. So the first year of the Harden trade, he was at 26 a game, then 25 and a half, then 27, 29, 29, 30, 36 last year, 38 this year. That just keeps going up like drastically. Eight assists and six rebounds. That's obviously amazing but really stands out to me is the free throw attempts this year he's a he's he is at the line religiously like i know he's always been at the free throw line but like now he's getting like 14 15 a game yeah and here's the better part of that narrative is everyone thought uh just like last year oh chris paul is going to take stats away from him oh russell westbrook's going to take stats away from him and no his stats went up (laughs) All right, hot take. Get ready. Westbrook might actually be a really good teammate, and maybe Kevin Durant was the reason why they didn't win those championships. You got LeBron on record saying that Harden was their problem in the 2012 finals. I think Kevin Durant might have been the reason why OKC did not win in 2016. You heard it here first, folks. That's hard in the paint, asking the hard questions. Westbrook is playing like a legit teammate. Like, 
he's still doing all the Westbrook stuff where it's, you know, drive to the paint really hard and be really tenacious on defense and do the 16 you know, foot your, jump shot and assists and, <laughs> and all kinds of shit. Like, yeah, he's still doing all that other like shit. We saw that in the Lakers in the Clippers game the other day where he takes that like that. He goes, you know, he drives towards the basket in transition and then Lou Williams just kind of spots up a little bit and Westbrook tries to initiate contact fails, then goes for the layup and it misses. And, you know, I was basically like with a minute to go in the game. So it's like, you know, points matter, obviously in the last minute of the game. So he still does very Westbrookian things, but he's not, he's not like taking, uh, like those shots away from Harden. Yeah, that's my point. Is Harden still getting better stats with with like a teammate that you think would steal stats from him? And Harden's not even as efficient as he was in the last couple of years. Yeah. Like I, if I he feel was, like he's got a narrative. I don't know. I just can't put him above Giannis and Luca in my head right now. Yeah, I can't, I, I can't either. But he's he's in there. I'd say he's a I solid mean, this third. Stuff we're seeing out of Harden. I, I think looking back, I think we're gonna look back and look at Harden as one of the most underrated guys for this for this decade. So I was watching a video on uh, there. I guess there was a stat introduced in the '80s called Game Score, and it's like the way to figure out like to rate players like an individual game in like the grand scheme of the greatest games of all time. And, okay, uh, I like the stat. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I don't know what it is, but I like it. It, it you know accounts for points, efficiency, assists, rebounds, all that shit. It's kind of like PER, but more on like a zero to one hundred scale. Uh, and you know, in the past, since they've been keeping the scat, obviously Michael Jordan has had the most highest games on the game score rating system. Obviously, making okay. him the greatest player of all time. All right. Right. But in the past, like ten years. Like the only person even like on that board consistently is Harden because of his just drastic points and assist games. Like, okay, so to put it like on the number scale, like uh, Jordan's best game, the one where he had like the 69 points, like the 20 rebounds and the five steals and everything. I think that was like, can't remember the number. It was either like 65 or 85 on this gamer score scale. <laughs> It was like really freaking high, and like Harden's best game is like a fifty-eight. Okay. And like Kobe's eighty-one is like a sixty, and, and things like that. And and uh, they even did it, broke it down for like regular season versus playoffs. And like uh, the best game score playoff game was like Charles Barkley or something. He had like a fifty-eight on the game score ranking, which is pretty crazy. That'd be Charles Barkley getting the highest on that stat but anyways when i'm the, the long-winded thing here is uh i think uh bill simmons did a little special on that too where he's like harden might be like the best player this generation that we're going to talk about for years on years that just never wins like 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 the ice man is what he was big comparison was like a george gervin guy that kind of everybody knows but like Nobody knows for like a crazy championship moment, but it has like a finger roll, like a signature shot, like uh, you know, the step back three, the Euro step. I mean, his other comparison was, you know, obviously the best version of Manu Ginobili that never won a title. 
you did all these side by side images of plays and things, but I'm trying to think of guys that haven't won the title. But you got Charles Barkley, obviously. No, no, I'm talking about like within like uh, Harden's like Harden's like you know kind of generational players. You know, guys who are basically still in the league, and you know, basically like basically the the guys who are basically at the peak of their careers right now are basically Harden's class, right? Steph and KD and Harden and Westbrook, right? Like those guys are basically in their primes, right? LeBron's kind of like just out of his prime. Anthony Davis is like about to go into like his supersized prime. So I'm trying to think of like anybody from that kind of like age range that hasn't really won. The thing is, he hasn't even really come that close outside of that one year with CP3. I mean, discounting like the OKC year, but like... That's that's part of the comparison too, is like, uh, you know, Iceman never... I think he got to a conference finals once or twice, but never made it to a finals either. Is is like, oh, but he's a guy that everybody from back then recognizes as, you know, top Hall of Fame talent, you know, scoring signature move, you know, icon of the league. And I mean, Harden's got all those basically the same career trajectory. I know there's that one stat on, uh, it's b-ball reference or carmelo whatever the one that shows you the player projection of who they're most similar to oh right, right. yeah i think he's on there for that which is uh like the most obvious comparison now that i think about it so then are you saying harden is underrated or overrated what i'm saying is is uh he will be the best player to never win a ring from my lifetime oh wow in terms of that shooting guard position. I mean, you can argue he's like a one, but you know, he's like a six, six point guard. So he's, he's like a, a two. He's, yeah. He's, he's just a guard. There's like, there's really no, I mean, he's a, he's a shooting guard. He's just a modern day shooting guard. You know, if Michael well, Jordan grew up today, he would be doing, you know, jab step threes and shit. Too. I mean, I get that, but we actually do have like actual, like one guard still in the league. Yeah. It's just not, popular anymore yeah anyways uh so let's talk about uh the upcoming because as you know holiday thanksgiving season is always a great time to sit back with a belly full of turkey and watch basketball until you fall asleep uh so the we kind of mentioned this earlier the mavs have sort of the ringer of both la teams and i think the suns and somebody else too that's pretty good so I'll be catching some of those games. Clips Mavs should be pretty interesting. Uh, like Philly you said, plays Phil- Toronto tonight. Yeah, ben Philly Simmons. Toronto tonight. It's gonna be hitting some threes. Uh, what else are you looking forward to? Uh, there's a re- really kind of weird game that's uh going on. I think either Wednesday or Friday. There's no games on actual Thursday because of uh football. Um, but Washington at Denver seems like it could be like a, a just a super fun like. 155 to 151 game in Denver. Yeah. I have no idea if that if that's going to be good or bad, but it just kind of seems like it'd be fun to watch Jamal Murray on one side and Bradley Beal on the other. Hey, our boy, Michael Porter Jr. is getting minutes, though. We'll have to talk about that sometime. Uh, the Nets play the Celtics twice, which is super ironic because obviously Hayward and Kemba are out and uh, Kyrie is in. <laughs> but the Nets do play them twice. Uh, Heat Rockets. 
is just like that's just like a very uh if you're into the if you're if you're a slightly more than casual fan that's kind of the game you gravitate towards i would say uh lakers pelicans obviously the anthony davis trade hangs over that run and then uh bucks hawks it's just another one kind of one of those Giannis is going to do his MVP thing, and then the Hawks are going to try to do like their Trey Young thing. And I want to yeah. see Giannis guard they're... Trey Young on the perimeter. I want to see that. Oh, dude, I want to see. I want to see Cam Reddish get fucking decked in the middle of the floor by Giannis on a drive. Posterized. Cam Reddish does not look good this year. Yeah, I mean, he's I want to a... see Giannis posterize Cam Reddish. He's a dookie. Because fuck Duke. Yeah. Uh. All right. What are your Thanksgiving plans? Uh, you heading home for a couple days, or? Uh, yeah, but my schedule's like a little fucked at work, so I don't actually know whether or not I'm gonna be working like the weekend. Oh, that's <laughs> so kind of a bummer. My travel plans are a little kind of hanging in the air there a little bit, but uh, but you're going home too, right? Unless yeah. The snow uh, locks in. Yeah, if I get uh, you know frozen toot out of my plane fright uh you know i'll probably just go home a day or two later but oh what's uh what's uh what's uh what's uh check in with the jazz yeah the jazz jazz, let's do jazz corner yeah well uh the i guess the jazz pelicans game was i think it was uh your expectations tempered well i was gonna say they had to evacuate because there was a suspicious package left in the stadium which was pretty fucking wild uh anyways uh I'm I am excited to see like Conley's starting to not be trash. It looks like, but he still looks overpaid to me. Um, I mean Mitchell is you know solid as always, and so is Gobert. Uh, I'm still very concerned about them closing out games. Like it kind of reminds me of like that 2014 Bulls team where it's like the year D Rose comes back finally and they make the playoffs where it's like, Oh, we're going to make the playoffs. But if we ever go down more than 10 points in a game, we just lose because <laughs> <laughs> we're built on defense and we can't, we don't have like a yeah. three point shooting comeback yeah. offense. Jimmy Butler hadn't really come in yet to like carry his own on offense. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. And like if it has the vibes of that to me, which I've just throwing out weird lineups to try to see what sticks. Like I'm trying to like not be too pessimistic, but like if I tune into a game and it's like they're down twelve with five minutes left, or it's like down twenty at any point, I just almost tune out right away because I'm like, well, this is a defensive team; they don't have the best ways to come back, uh, so I'm just not gonna really watch. So. Call me a fair weather fan, but uh, you know I'll I'll eat that one. I'll eat that one on the chest. How many uh how many Jordans are you planning on creasing over the holiday season? Uh, well they got these new uh, I think it's after the holiday, maybe early in December. They're doing the Jordan fourteen Ferraris, which might be my new one. I actually go for those things are Ferraris? sweet. Yeah. So they do Jordan 14s for like all the popular car brands. Like there's a Mustang one and another one, and then they're doing the Ferraris this year. Yeah. All right, I'm Googling it now. Dude, these look fucking trash. I'm not going to lie. I hate these. What is this material? I believe it's like actual leather. 
not the stupid patent leather bullshit they've been doing oh, on all their to, like, re- retros. To, like like race car driver like yeah that's that's the point of the 14s is the i think that was the first year that like they did the jordan race car crossover ones uh there's like a jordan motorsports uh sub brand of jordans that's like the fours the 14s a couple other ones in there uh I don't know. I think the 14s are just so fucking ugly normally. <laughs> like, they just look so dumb to me. But I like the I, I like the sort of car crossover to it. I don't know. There's a sort of like art style to it, I guess. Pretty unique. So I might try and grab those. Also, I think the new Adidas lineup's coming out soon. Like, the Dame 6s are supposed to drop. Uh, I mean, Harden's came out earlier this year. Does Luca have a shoe deal? Yeah, so I think he's trying to go Under Armour. I think that's what's going to happen to him, which fucking sucks. God damn it. Like, Under Armour's so trash. Like, Under Armour had to lay off, like, 20% of its staff, like, a month ago. Like, their sales are way down. And, like, Curry's suck ass. I hate those shoes. God. So I, I really hope he doesn't, but... I think that's where he's going to end up. He's been playing in the Currys a lot. Damn, that sucks. That'd be a waste of talent. Yeah. Anyways, that'll do it for us on this wonderful Monday before Thanksgiving episode of Hard in the Paint podcast. Send us a uh, comments, questions, suggestions. What do you think about the Jordan 14s? We always love to know your answers on sneaker culture and everything basketball related. Uh, you can leave it in the comments, send us an email. Make sure you uh, like and follow, subscribe, thumbs up, heart, whatever you do on these platforms. There's so many different ways to uh, do track engagement now. It's like, oh, yeah, just do whatever <laughs> whatever works. Send us works. dick pics. <laughs> we'll take the dick pics. Send us feet pics and uh, Gamer Girl bathwater, please. And uh, with that, we'll be back probably at the end of next week because I'll be out of town, not able to record, so... Thank you all for watching, and we'll catch you on the flip-flop.